in verse number 11. The Bible says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, joined to a far country, and there wasted his possessions on prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to his field to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like uh, one of your hired servants. Then he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion upon him and ran and kissed him. And, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Bring out the best robe and put on him and put a ring on his hand and put uh, uh, the robe on the or excuse me, put the, the robe upon him and put the ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatty calf and kill it and eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, is alive again, and he was lost and he is found. And they began to be merry. Amen. I want to talk to you today about the father's house. This is a story that's very familiar to many. But as I was praying this week about today the Holy Spirit specifically and very clearly directed me to this story this uh, one of the worst feelings in the world is the feeling of being lost not knowing where you are and most of the time whenever we are lost we don't want to admit that we're lost and so we continue out of our uh, stubbornness to continue to go down paths that we are not certain or we do not know and we find ourselves getting further and further from the destination or the direct path that we should be following. Amen. If we, we would stop as soon as we feel that we do not know where we are, that we don't have an understanding of where we are or what is going on, then we would not be so far off of track. And most of the time, our pride keeps us from stopping and asking for directions. This is how it feels in our life as well. You don't realize that you are lost at the very moment that you're getting lost, but it is the distance from your uh, normal or your, the path that you're wanting to be on that you gradually come to an understanding that you are not where you wanted to be. That you find yourself going in a direction that you did not want to go in. And so you take gradual steps until you realize that you have gone too far, that you have made a, 
a mistake and you are going in the wrong direction. And once you realize your loss, there's no worse feeling in the world than not knowing where you are. And one who left the, the, the son, the father had two sons, and one of them stays at home. But the one who left the house, the Bible said that he went and he spent all of his, his money on worldly living. He went and he spent it. He blew it on things. And so what the younger son was doing is he was, he was struggling with his identity. He did not understand who he was even while he was in the father's house. And that, that tells us something about it. He was looking for happiness. He was looking for purpose. He was looking for identity. And he did not feel as though that he was getting it in his father's house. What he did not understand was that he already had an identity and his identity was sonship he was the son of the father amen and there's no greater purpose in our life than to have sonship or or if you get caught up on gender daughtership relationship and having a father that loves you I know today that so many people cannot relate to the God's love as father because we've had so many that have failed to be the father that they needed to be. They haven't shown the love that they needed to show. They, they, you may have left the house and not even be in the house anymore or may be in the house but absence from the house, if you hear me today. Not being that fatherly figure. And so when we talk about Heavenly Father, people relate to that and think of somebody who has abandoned them or someone who has left them or someone who has let them down but I want you to know today we're not just talking about a natural father as we have sung here this morning we are talking about a good good father amen we're talking about one that has sent his son so that we can have life and have it more abundantly and the prodigal son leaves home in search of something he is looking for freedom he is looking for his life uh, to, to be better than what it is, not understanding how good he already has it. The younger son leaves because he simply doesn't want to be at home anymore. He doesn't want boundaries. He doesn't want structure. He wants to be his own person. He, he wants to do life his way. And so if we look and we see that this, this drives him and his belief. He believes he knows what is best for him. He believes he knows better than what his father knows. And it's, it's why he is willing to cause his family incredible pain because he thinks he knows what is best. In this culture, to ask his father for his portion of his inheritance is a huge insult to his dad. Because what he is really saying when he says to him, uh, give me my portion, he is really saying to his father, I wish you were dead. 
because of the fact that you don't get an inheritance till your, your parent dies or that one that has given you an inheritance until they die, you do not get the inheritance. So what the br brother is really saying, what the son is saying is I wish you were dead so that I can get what is coming to me. Amen. In this culture, the only response to that give, uh, could be given is to, to take this boy out and, and severely wear him out. Maybe even punch him in the face. Right? And, 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 and just, just give him repeated blows for such a, a word, such a, a, even a thought to come across his mind. But the dad does not do that. The dad doesn't go and beat him. The dad doesn't punch him. The dad doesn't lay a hand upon him. But he does the unthinkable. What does he do? The scripture says he divided his life or his livelihood. I want you to notice in verse 12, he says he divided his livelihood. That Greek word there which is translated most of the time as life. In other words, the father took his life and divided it. And, and so the way the son got his inheritance was the dad gave his son his portion of his, his ancestral land what he would have received after his father died. They didn't have ATMs. They didn't have the banks like we have today, but it was land. It was things of substance. It was things of value. And so the son has to turn around and sell the land. And the, and the text says that in verse 13 that not many days later, he leaves town with the cash, right? It's very likely that he sold the property to Gentiles because the Gentiles were the only ones. The Jews understood the value. The Jews understood what this meant for him to take the, uh, the, the family farm or the family land and divide it up and to sell it off. But the Jews, uh, the Gentiles, excuse me, had no uh, connection with that. They did, didn't matter to them. And so they would come and they would give him money to be able to purchase this family land. So what's the point? The father divided the land that according to the word Jesus uses, he gave him a part of his life. Why? Because it's the only way he could leave the door open for reconciliation with his son. The other alternative would to hit him and to excommunicate him from the family. So he accepts the humiliation. The father accepts the pain upon his life and ripping his life apart. His friends, his, this father is a picture of God. This is picture of our heavenly father. You see, whenever we have sinned and come short of the glory of God, when we have decided that we know better than the Father, when we have chose to go our own way and do our own thing, it is then that it rips the Father's heart apart because He paid such a great price. But instead of shunning us, instead of forcing us to pay the price of our own sins, He allowed His life, His flesh to be 
ripped apart so that you and I could be reconciled back to our Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19 says, For God was was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us a wonderful message of reconciliation. I don't know about you today, but I'm thankful today that whenever I sinned, when I went the wrong direction, that Father God did not cut me off. He did not beat me up, but he took his life and he separated it. He divided it. He he gave his life so that I could have life so that whenever I came to my senses I could come back to him and he would reconcile me unto himself amen wherever you are today if you're saved you ought to give God thanks and praise that he didn't abandon you he didn't forsake you but he came to you and made a way that you could come back to the father glory to God hallelujah have you ever had a moment in life where you ask, how did I get here? Have you ever made choices that you thought was going to take you one place only to lead you to another place and you ended up where you never expected to be? How did I get here? You thought you was on a path that would lead you to happiness and you came to a place of sorrow. How did I get here? You thought it was going to lead you to a path of financial prosperity and blessing and you find yourself broke. You find yourself in poverty. You find yourself without and you ask, how did I get here? You find yourself in a place where you thought it was going to lead you to friends and to relationship and maybe even popularity. And, and now you find yourself in a place of depression and loneliness and isolation. And you ask yourself, how did I get here? This is what the younger son did. He was thinking he was, he was going one direction, but he really found himself in another place. He thought he was going to popularity. He thought he was going to blessing. He thought he was going to have so many friends and all the people would rejoice and party with him only to find himself feeding pigs and looking at the corn husk saying, I wish I could eat with these pigs. You don't ever have to be an expert at Jewish culture to know that that is not kosher. Amen. But the son came to himself in the pig pen. That phrase is a Jewish form of, for, or a word, came to himself is a Jewish form of saying he came to repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is a word that rarely is used today. It, it's got a negative rap. But the, it is a beautiful word. Repentance means to change your mind. Amen. 
I always reserve the right to change my mind. I always reserve the right to repent in the direction that I'm going. Change my mind. Because when you're in the when you are under an attack, and 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 many times God will you and you find yourself in a place that you never thought you was ever be. But God will use those circumstances. He will use everything at your, his disposal to be able to cause you to come to your senses, to repent, to change your mind, to make a U-turn. You see, in the Greek culture, the word refers to change in your mind. But in the Hebrew, the language, it refers to not only change in your mind, but a change of direction. In other words, you were going one way, but now you've turned and you've gone another way because you have changed your mind. You have not only changed your mind, but you have changed your direction hallelujah I'm thankful today that God gives us the right that when we realize and we come to our senses we come to ourselves, we realize we're on the wrong path God doesn't say no you're too late he doesn't say wait a minute if you would have come to me a little earlier or yesterday it would have been all right he would have he doesn't say if you wouldn't have went to that level of sin I could have helped you but he says right Right in the middle of the pig pen. Right in the midst of all of the mess. Right in the lowest level that you can get. If you will call upon me, I will answer you. And show you great and mighty things. Hallelujah. He has made a way of reconciliation that no matter where we have been, what we have ever done, he's got his arms outstretched saying, come and change your mind and change your direction. You ought to give him praise today that he still gives you the right to change your direction. Amen. The prodigal son comes to his senses and repents and it produces a desire to come home. But it's not exactly what we had hoped for. Even though he wants to come home, he begins to recite this, write this Thoughts of how he's going to approach his father. And he writes a speech that he's going to recite to his father. And he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He isn't asking his dad and saying, I want to be one of your slaves because a slave doesn't get paid anything. Instead, he wants to get paid like a skilled craftsman so that he can repay his debt. This is what happens to many people. They think, I need to get my life right with God so I'll I'll clean up my act so that God will accept me. They commit to trying harder and doing better that that they will be able to make God accept them somehow and they can repay the debt for the mess they have made of their lives. The prodigal son is crafting this speech because he doesn't believe that his father will accept him as he is. 
because he has so disrespected his father because he has severely hurt his father and brought so much pain to the family and here's the point God is not waiting for you to clean your act up he is waiting for you to call upon him Amen. This is an attempt by, by your own, to do your own saving, to be able to pay your own price because you're asking God to accept you based upon your good works. But there's nothing good that you can ever do. There's nothing good that you can ever repay. He died. He gave his life upon the cross so that you and I could have life and have it more abundantly. No way you can ever pay, repay him for that. You see, he's not looking for you to come and to be able to do good works and to pay back indeed what he is trying to say. By this time, the son gets home. He drops all the negotiation. Watch this change. And his speech changes. He simply asks the father for forgiveness. He asks the father for grace. Amen. And I want to tell you today, it's not by your works. It's not by you getting your life together or acting better or cleaning up the things in your life it's about accepting the grace of God that he has for your life that where you are in the middle of your mess in the middle of your pig pen in the middle of your lost life that you call upon his name and say father I'm not asking you to be a hired servant so that I can repay you but I'm asking you today to forgive me and I accept your grace of on my life hallelujah I'm thankful for the grace of God I wasn't able to repay him I wasn't able to give him anything that would pay for what he did for me but when I accepted his grace I became accepted I became the son of the living God and I am thankful for that this morning amen see there's more than enough in the father's house during the times of famine. That's what I heard this week to tell you that in this time of all of the craziness that's going on, not only in our country, but in our world, you know how to tell where a true father's house is. You know how to tell if there's a fatherly anointing or not. You know whose house you can run to and you can be safe. It is the father's house. How do you know if it's a father's house or not? In the father's house, there was more than enough in the time of trouble. In the Father's house, there was more than enough in the time of famine. In our story, it, a famine came right in the middle. It was unexpected. This, this, this boy left his father's house. Everything was good. If we could say it this way, the stock market was thriving. We could say it this way, there was jobs everywhere. If we could say it this way, it was the most healthy time that people had seen in a long, long time. But now in the midst of his decision, in the midst of his choice, he goes and he spends his money and his money runs out. And then when his money runs out, 
a famine comes and he doesn't have nothing to eat. Does it sound familiar in a turbulent time that we're living when we thought everything was good but just like the day turns to night and the night turns to day suddenly trouble comes upon our land and people are being laid off. People are looking. People are running everywhere looking for tulip paper, looking for food. But I want to tell you today in the middle of this craziness that in the Father's house you can rest. In the Father's house you can have confidence. There'll be food on your table. There'll be clothes in your closet. There'll be peace over your home. Why? Because Jesus has paid the price that in the Father's house everything that you will ever need you can receive in the Father's house because even in the times of trouble there's more than enough in the Father's house. Hallelujah. Come on and give him praise right here this morning. You see, you got to understand that you know that there is enough in the Father's house that you don't have to worry. Just chill. Just know that he's got everything in control. The Father's house, everything you need. Now, now we're not just talking about, of course, a natural house. We're talking about the family of God, the, the Father God, and being in his kingdom and being in his presence and being in relationship with him. I don't have to worry. I don't have to stress. I don't have to have be in troubled in my mind. I lay down and rest at night knowing Father God's got me. Amen. And as long as you stay close to the Father, everything's going to be all right. You got to be in close proximity. And the closer proximity you are to the Father, the more peace you'll have. Whenever I was a young boy and my dad and I would go coon hunting. And there would be times whenever in the swamps we, he would have to leave me back behind because the water was too deep and, and I couldn't tread through the water. And so he would leave me behind and whenever I would see his light going, the further away it would get me as a little boy, I would get fear in my heart. I would begin to worry. I would begin to hear sounds. I would begin to hear all kinds of things. My mind would begin to imagine all kinds of animals and things that was there in that forest and the further away he got the more anxiety the more fear, the more concern the more worry would get in my heart but whenever I would see that light start coming back toward my direction the closer he would get the stronger I would get. The closer he would get the fear, the anxiety the worry would go and the closer he would get the bolder I would get. Now I want to tell you today that whenever I was able to get a hold of his coattail I, was, I would say to those, all those sounds in my mind I would say to him now come on out here come on let me show you something now because I had a hold of my father I want to tell you today that in turbulent times if you stay close proximity to the father you won't have to worry you won't have to fret but it'll give you a holy boldness to know that everything that you need in your life father God has all already supplied it and he's going to take care of you amen come on and praise him here today glory to God I must receive his grace I want you to know that the younger son altered that speech 
And he did not come back and say when he came to the father and the father ran out there and kissed him and brought him in. He did not, he didn't say, make me a servant. He said, Make me like one of your hired skilled people. No, he realized he screwed up too bad for that. He realized that he he had done it so badly and so terribly that the only thing that was going to save him was the Father's grace. The grace. Grace means getting what you don't deserve. Amen. And what does his son deserve? He wished his father dead. He asked for his inheritance and then sold his father's land that belonged to generation after generations, probably to the Gentiles. And then he had spent all of his money on wild living and now was penniless. And his father had every right to cut him off. One of the Jewish customs during that day, a Jewish boy would do such a thing, they he would lose his family's inheritance. And among all the Gentiles, they were dreaded to return home. The community would bring a large pot whenever a boy would do such a thing. The, the Jewish, they would come and they would bring a large pot and they would take that pot in front of the whole village or the community and they would throw it to the ground and crush it. And the shattered pieces would represent the life of this young boy that made such a terrible decision. And his name would be shouted out and he would say, he's, they would call his name and say he is cut off from the people in other words after this ceremony they had nothing to do with him it was as if he were dead he was a wayward person and now no one would have anything to do with him and this this was the father's right but instead he runs and meets his son this word run here or race, it is a Greek word referring to a foot race as in a stadium. And he runs as fast as he can. And that may not mean anything to you, but in this setting, it was the patriarch. The father was the patriarch. He was the patriarch of the village. And he ran for no reason, no purpose, for nothing did the patriarch ever run. He didn't get in a hurry about anything. It was a representation of his power, his authority, that he did not run for anything. But when he seen his son, the same one that had ridiculed him, the same one that had ripped his heart out, the same one that had embarrassed him and humiliated him in front of all of the Jewish people, when he seen him yet afar off, the Bible says, said he ran to where he was and began to kiss him literally in the Greek it means to kiss him again and again in other words he is symbolizing here that his father is accepting him as son he's not said one word he hasn't gave any kind of a, a measure of saying I'm sorry but the father loved him already can I tell you today the father God 
God loves you. No matter how far you are from him, no matter if you've been in the church house all of your life, no matter if you're as far away from him as you've ever been in your life, it has not changed the love of Father God for you. He still loves you with an everlasting love and all you have to do is bring, turn your direction and begin to face him again and the moment that you begin to look for him, he's going to show his love to you. He's going to show his grace to you. He's going to show you that he still loves you anyhow. Amen? You see, the father accepted the son and that relationship was restored. The first century Jewish culture, the kiss was a signet of love and loyalty. That's the reason why that whenever the Bible said that Judas came to Jesus and betrayed him with a kiss. Because he kissed him to let others know who to kill. But it was suggesting that he loved him and that he was loyal. And I know some today may be listening to this. You've been hurt. You've been broken. People have kissed you and said they love you. And they'll be loyal only to sell you out. But I want to tell you that the betrayal has, did not stop Jesus from loving him. Jesus said, what are you doing? You're betraying me with a kiss? Are, are, what are, you, are you for real? But I want you to know today that Jesus loves you no matter where you are. There's a couple of things I think is important here that, that we see. Number one, the father didn't enable his son to rebel. It took the son getting into the pig pen, getting to the bottom, so that he could have a desire to go back home. As parents, there's nothing that we won't do for our kids. But sometimes you just have to have tough love. You have to let the kids own their decisions. Huh? You have to, you can't bail them out all the time. You can't be there all the time picking them up and paying their tickets. Paying, and you know, they, they total one car and you go buy them another car. Uh, that, that's just things that really don't have no eternal value. But sometimes as a, the hardest thing you can do as a parent is to be there and allow them to own their decision. But the father wasn't sending his money and using uh, his contacts to get this, his boy a better job at feeding pigs. He, he, owned, he left him alone where he was. He prayed for him. He watched for him. He looked for him. But all of the time, he allowed his son to own his decision. Guess what? They aren't going to ever come to what we never come to our senses by somebody always bailing us out until you let them experience the pig pen. Amen. The consequences of our decisions. It's in that moment that we begin to own those decisions that makes him want to go back home. Hallelujah. Now I want to tell you today, if you have a prodigal son, here's the you have a prodigal daughter, here's the prayer to pray for them daily. God, I love my son. I love my daughter so much. And I know that you love them more than I do. And I'm asking you to make them 
completely miserable until they cry out to you until they own their decisions and they call on your name and accept you as Savior and Lord change their mind change their direction God I love them and I know that you love them and work a work in their lives Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 19, it says your own wickedness will correct you and your backsliding will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and a bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God. The prodigal reminds me of the book of Jeremiah because in this scripture, God is weeping because the people have turned their backs on God and started worshiping idols. So God allows them to go into captivity for 70 years. And once Israel comes back from their 70-year captivity, they again go back to, or excuse me, they never again after those 70 years go back to worshiping idols. They follow God the rest of the days. It's never recorded that they return back. Someone asked me this. Well, I've had several people this week ask me, is this uh, virus, is these things uh, that we are dealing with today, is it from God? And I simply tell you, no, it is not. How, how can it be from God? God never made one person sick. I said he never made one person sick. God is a healer. He don't put sickness upon people to teach them a lesson. That is a lie. Amen. I'm telling you today that the love of God is, is so real that he would never make people sick. And God has not put this sickness upon our nation or our world. But at the same time, as I already spoke to you, God will use every opportunity that he can to bring us back to him. And so even in this sickness, when everything else has been shut down, things, everything that America has made God has been shut down in one day. The sports arena. I'm a, I'm a sports fan. I love football. I'm not against it. But listen to me. Sports has been shut down. Right? The, the stock market. All of that stuff that we put trust in has been shut down. All of the things that we've made gods out of in America and we have worshipped. Right? It has all been shut down. Why? I'm telling you that God will use it to get us back to the Father's house. Come on somebody. He's wanting us back in the Father's house. He's wanting us back home. He's wanting us back to making him the central figure of our life. And Thank God you ought to enjoy life. I'm not against those things, but they cannot become your God. They cannot become your priority. And now we're locked in our houses and we can't go anywhere. But I'm telling you today that in this place we can have a relationship with Father God realign. You remember the first of the year, you that are one life people. You remember that I told you at the first of the year that you have to push pause and you have to let everything be stopped and some of us did that other people did not do that but now we're forced to do that it has pushed a pause button in our life and now we have to rethink everything that we're doing rethink what is of value rethink what is important and when we come to the end of it we will realize that God is the central of everything that we do God is the epicenter it's the father's house that is the most important because everything 
everything you need is found in the Father's house. Come on and give him praise for that here today. You see, here's the point. The father would have been hurting his son, enabling him, trying to help him because the pig pen is exactly where he had to get before he would come back to the father. It was the only way his son would have come to his senses. Do you know the same thing is true with you and I? You can be far from God and hate how your life is today and how it's turning out and the decisions that you made yesterday or in days past that you thought was taking you one way have taken you in another direction that you were unexpected. But you see... Today, you can change your circumstances by changing your direction. God didn't answer your prayer, maybe. God didn't do what you thought he was going to do. You may be even mad at God today. And you thought that he should have done something one way and how you wanted it done. But it didn't turn out that way. Understand this. God didn't bail you out because he loved you too much to enable you. He has a plan for you and he wants you to get back on the right path. Jeremiah 13 and 17, he said, if you people won't listen, I'll go off by myself and weep over you. Weep because your stubbornness, arrogance and bitter and bitter tears, rivers of tears from my eyes because God's sheep will end up in exile. You see, that's the heart of God. He is saying that in the, in the midst of us doing all that we want to do and not even looking to him, he said, I'm weeping over you. It's in bitter tears over you because I'm wanting to do something in your life so much greater, but you won't let me do it. And although it hurts his heart to see you and I in that position, he'll come running to where you are when you come to your senses. Because that's God's goal for you, is to come to your senses. The second thing is this, the son came to the father on the father's terms. He had this speech all written out. He said, this is what I'm going to tell him. I want to be a skilled craftsman. I want to earn a nice salary so I can repay you for the debt that I owe you. But when he got to his father, he asked his father not for a skilled, paid place, but for grace. Amen. For grace. He wasn't dictating or manipulating or trying to make a deal. He fell at his father's feet and he said, Father, I have sinned before heaven and against you. Maybe you're in that place today. Maybe you, you can relate to the story today. Maybe that's where you are in your life today, where that you come to your senses and you realize that maybe you've once followed after God, but today you're far from the Father's house. You've strayed and gone your own direction and done your own thing, and you come to your senses. Holy Spirit's talking to you this morning, and, and it's beckoning you to turn your direction and, and call upon the Father and, and not ask to repay, but ask for grace. As long as he blesses you, you, you don't want to turn from your direction or from your way. But God says, okay, I'll let you do what you want to do. 
You can do your own thing. You may be mad at God because you haven't got your way. You may be upset with God or you may have gone your own way because you've, 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 you've said, I know better than what my parents have taught me. I know better than what's going on. I know better than what's taking place. And you find yourself in, in a hopeless situation thinking about eating the, eating the husk in the pig pen. But I come today to tell you there's a better life. I come today to tell you that there's still hope in Jesus Christ. I come today to tell you that whatever religious pictures you may have been painted in religion of how angry God is and how mad he is and how he wants to beat you because of what you've done. Well, you, some people say, well, God's going to get me. No, if God wanted to get you, he had already got you. Amen. If he wanted to get you, he had already got you. And that's not the love. The love of the Father, the God that I serve, is a loving God. He's a loving God. He's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. And he loves you with an everlasting love. He cares for you today. And he's looking for you to turn. He's looking for you today. Not to come home and say, I need you to make me a hired servant so I can repay you. But so that you can come to him today and say, I, I want you to forgive me. I want your grace. I want your mercy. I want your love. You see, you can come home today. You can come home today. You can come to the Father's house and you can enjoy the Father's blessings upon your life no matter how far you've strayed. If it's been a, a six years or if it's been six days, you can call upon Him. And the quicker you call upon Him, the easier it is for you to make a turn in the direction and come back to Him. But today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to call upon the Father and he's going to show you grace. There's never been one time that anyone has ever called upon God and he says, no, I will not forgive you. He said, if you will come to me with a godly sorrow, I will in no wise cast you out. He said, call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know of. You see, he is going to answer you today and he's going to answer you with grace. Amen. He's going to answer you with grace. And so wherever you are today, if you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Savior, or maybe you have drawn cold and indifferent in your relationship, and you once knew Him, but now you're far from Him. Or maybe you aren't so far away, but you know you're going in the wrong direction. Today's the day to call upon Him and ask Him for grace. Amen. Ask Him for grace. And if you uh, want today to make Jesus your Savior, Jesus your Lord. I want to pray with you today and I want to ask God to just do a work in your life and, and allow him to begin to minister to you by his Holy Spirit right where you are. It's easy. It's A, B, C. Amen. A, admit that I'm a sinner. B, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. And the Bible said that when we pray it and we believe it in our hearts, that He will save us. So wherever you are today, call on His name. If you need help, if you need us to pray with you, just comment there, right there on Facebook. 
let us know that you're praying this prayer today. We want to help you. We want to be with you. We want to ask God to work in your life. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for grace today. And I ask you as you call today by your Holy Spirit that people will respond to the heavenly call. Wherever people are today, let them change their minds. Let them change their direction. God, I pray today that if they're in the pig pen of life or they've just got off in the wrong direction yesterday, let this be the day they change direction and come to the Father's house where there's more than enough. God, we give you praise and give you thanks for this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing it together. Let's sing it together. You need prayer, let us know. We want to pray for you here today. There's no reason to wait.